Have you ever hired someone and then you realize that like their credentials were a lie? Unfortunately, I have, Joey. And I'd like to think that I'm I'm really good at uh, sniffing that stuff out earlier on in the process. Uh, but sometimes you get a few that squeak through. Are you a business leader looking for strategies and tactics to help you navigate leadership and HR challenges as you scale? Each week on While We Were Working, we bring you our 35 plus years of experience doing exactly this for companies just like yours. For more game-changing HR and leadership insights and to connect with us, check us out at whilewewereworking.com. All right, so you've got your final round of candidates that you're interviewing. And you want to be sure that someone is as good in real life as they are on paper. What do you do? Well, if you're our team, you check references and you work with a partner like Verified First to conduct background checks. Because we've all heard the stats. So many people lie about their degrees, their employment, their age, their credit history, all sorts of things uh, people fudge in order to take advantage of opportunity that's in front of them. So if you wanna protect your business, make sure you get the right hire, go ahead and check out our friends at Verified First. The link is in our show notes. And when you use their services, you're supporting our show. And when you use their services, you're getting great candidates that you can feel good about hiring because they're the right person for the job and they're who they say they are. So for a nice savings, go ahead and click the link in our show notes and check out Verified First. One of the fastest ways to assure that you're getting the candidate who is just as good on paper as they are in real life. All right, let's get into the show. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of While We Were Working. It's the show that helps you become a better leader of your small business or small team. I'm Joy Price, host of the show, and I'm always joined by my incredible co-host, Summer Keytron, our consulting practice manager here at Jumpstart. What's up, Summer? Hey, Joey. How's it going today over there? Hey, I can't complain. Life is good. Weather's nice. Kids are behaving for once. Um, So I'll take it. I'll take it. How about you? (laughs) Oh, good. Sounds like a major win. Well, I'm excited that we've made it to this show and and we have some really great topics to discuss that I'm, I'm quite excited to get into and share with our listeners. Yeah, let's go ahead and give a quick preview. So the first thing we want to cover in our segment while we were working We're going to talk about an ethical filter for addressing questionable situations in the workplace. So those things that fall into that gray area that's not so quite black and white. And then the next thing in our consultant's corner, we're going to dive into a tricky situation where you ever had that feeling that someone's watching you? No, I'm just kidding. You ever had that feeling that uh, someone is employed but not working, or maybe they're working another job while working for you. We've got a consultant's corner story that we'd like to share, and as always, some practical tips to help you. So 
without further ado, Summer, can you set up our While We Were Working segment? Certainly, it, it would be my pleasure. And this article that we're talking about today was featured in SHRM in early February of 2023. And it's titled uh, An Ethical Filter for Addressing Questionable Situations in the Workplace. And you know, I, I think as an HR pro, there are many occasions during our career where our ethics and our morals are a part of our decision making. And when I read through this article, one of the biggest takeaways uh, was first reflecting on how frequent this occurs for HR pros. Uh, but at the very end of the article, there's actually a, a guide, like a decision making tool um, to help those when they encounter these situations, um, like have a rubric uh, to ask themselves, um, you know, is this the best decision based on the challenge at hand? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you said it. The just reflecting on how often HR is faced with ethical situations, and quite frankly, how often business owners or managers of small teams are faced with ethical situations, and may not even have the training or background that an HR pro has in handling these sorts of things. It can be a lot, right? It could be something as small as, you know, the person who shows up late for work all the time because, you know, they have this family thing that they need to tend to often. Uh, and what do you do if they're constantly late and they're constantly violating the policy? All the way up to our best performing sales pro went to a conference and got in trouble with the law. How do you navigate that? And so um, I always love to talk about values and how they should inform your decision making. And this, this article uh, kind of confirms that. It's like, you know, have some framework in place, have some filters in place by which you make your decisions so that, you know, it's less of a like, well, we'll, we'll call it how we see it you know, case by case scenario, and more of a shared expectation of how your organization should be thinking and, and should be making decisions. Mm -hmm. I think where the, the ethics and morals can sometimes become difficult is, you know, as HR pros, we often fall back on policies to determine what the appropriate action is. But uh, there's oftentimes where something may happen in the business that's not technically a violation of the policy, but it still needs to be addressed. And it's important to balance, you know, the needs of the business, but also the needs of your team. And one of the examples that was in the SHRM article was uh, for, you know, for example, a team member who may have been diagnosed with an illness and it was a contagious illness and the manager you know, hypothetically instructed that person not to say anything to anyone. And you, you can see the challenges with that is if a decision such as that isn't necessarily illegal per se, then, or, you know, you don't have a specific policy based on the industry that you're in where it's a violation, like there's still an obligation there, Yep. <laughs> right? Um, to protect your team members. And that's where, you know, the, that ethical and moral decision-making comes into play. 
and that's the tricky part. That's why I keep going back to uh, it's tough enough for HR pros who have some form of like framework and context and past experience. But when it's the entrepreneur that's going at it alone or the manager who's going at it alone and they have no HR to talk to, how will they navigate ethical decisions that have unintended consequences either way? And so all the more reason to kind of refresh yourself on, you know, where does my organization stand on ethical conundrums like this? Because it's incredibly important to have a plan before you need it. I think of the, I think of the phrase, um, build your well before you're thirsty. And, you know, it's kind of like have a plan for managing ethical or, or unethical consequences, unethical decisions before you need it. I, I think that's solid advice, especially because when uh, we look at like the most common ethical missteps and where leaders get tripped up, it's in the broad categories of sexism and racism. And there is a term mentioned in this article uh, that's called pluralistic ignorance. And it, it's essentially a term that describes when a team is working together and there may have been a bad joke or bad behavior. And the pluralistic ignorance is when like the team as a whole feels trapped in silence because they like an, as an individual, they feel offended, but they think they may be the only one that feels that it's wrong. And so then you have this entire group that's not speaking up. And if in that situation, only one, even one person was to speak up, that that trap could be broken and the real issues addressed. So I think one of the takeaways is that even if something isn't unlawful, it it's, can absolutely still be unhealthy, tasteless, and just overall not helpful to your culture. So I think it would be cool if maybe we talk about on the other kind of portion of this segment, what the decision-making tool categories and kind of descriptions look like so we can give our listeners a few takeaways. Yeah, certainly, certainly. And so this ethical decision-making guidance tool, um, I'll give credit to the author of this article, Paul Falcone, um, over at SHRM. Uh, the ethical decision-making guidance tool has six key categories that you should be filtering your decisions through. Uh, those are identity, conscience, principle, rationalization, common sense, and consequences. And so from an identity standpoint, it's, is this who I am or risk becoming? How does my decision square with my beliefs about compassion, respect, fairness, and truth? Who am I relative to this obstacle that I'm facing and who do I choose to be? So we, we won't go into all of them because I really want people to read the article, but there are six really thoughtful layers that you should be having your team work through to reach a decision that you can have the most peace about. And so it's introspective. It's thinking about the organization's best interest. There's so much tied into, you know, having to make difficult decisions like this. And um, I think it's a helpful framework. What what stands out to you about the decision tool, Summer? 
Well, I think it's the one thing that's not technically part of the decision tool, but is uh, what even Sherm calls uh, the ultimate decision maker. And I believe this to be true. And that is your gut feeling, um, your internal compass that when you reflect on the situation, how does it make you feel? And what, you know, in your heart, uh, really more than anything, um, what, what do you believe is the right thing to do? And I will say that very early in my career, the, the, one of the first times that I, you know, I, I was really kind of faced with a moral and ethical conflict of something that the organization was doing versus my own compass was when I was, you know, faced with like, can I come to an acceptance of what was occurring and be okay and remain at that organization? And, and still feel good about it? Or was this so significant that I needed to make the decision to remove myself out of the situation? And that's ultimately what I ended up doing. I left the organization because it became clear to me that from a moral and ethical standpoint that we weren't aligned. And sometimes that is the decision that I think individuals have to decide uh, when it's not unlawful, but it's just not healthy for them as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that you channeled your, your past experience there and, and uh, shared with us because that helps us kind of connect with the person that's, that's tuning in to say, you know, as much as we may think that decisions like these are pure blocking and tackling, there's the emotional uh, perspective. There's that gut feeling. There's the, the human element, which, um, you really can't replace or can never go away when you think about decisions like this. So, you know, we're we're here to help companies that may be wrestling with ethical issues. We've got a team of dedicated HR pros who can help you. Um, and you can reach out to us at www.jumpstart-hr.com for that, for that support. Another thing that can be an ethical challenge sometimes is summer. Have you ever hired someone and then you realize that like their credentials were a lie? Unfortunately, I have, Joey. And I'd like to think that I'm, I'm really good at uh, sniffing that stuff out earlier on in the process. Uh, but sometimes, you know, so, sometimes you get a few that squeak through. <laughs> so to, to, to prevent that from happening, one thing that we can do is use a background check company and our partners verified first uh, are a leading company that allows you to get the intel on folks so that uh, you can confirm that they're who they are on paper and in real life i mean that's such an ethical sticky question right if you hire someone they're in a job they're working and then oops you find out something whether it slipped up or they revealed it, that you know it could have been caught in um, a, a background check. So we're strong advocates of making sure you you feel good about the person that you hired, and um, Verified First is a, is a great company to to use to help you get started on that journey. Um, you can check out the link in our show notes for the offer for our listeners. And your support of their company also supports our show. So this is one way we'll help you 
save the headache of that ethical question of do we keep someone on or let someone go? Find out who they are up front with our partners at Verified First. Click the link in the show notes for details and you can get on the path of uh, quick and complete background checks. All right, let's go into our next segment, which is Consultant's Corner. And Consultant's Corner is the good, bad, and ugly from life in the trenches as an HR consultant. We've got stories. We get your comments, your questions on social media and email. And so this is where it all goes down here. Um, So this week, we want to tackle a a question that um, I think more customers or or more companies, quite honestly, uh, if you're you're honest, you're probably worried about this too. And uh, this question is, we suspect that one of our salaried employees is working another full-time job while also working for us. There are little clues that make me suspicious, like they are never on camera, they can't take meetings on short notice, and their LinkedIn shows that they are the CEO of their own company. How do I tackle this? All right, Summer, I have some thoughts on this. I think this is a pretty interesting one. And quite honestly, I think this exists in every organization. We just, some organizations have people that conceal it better than others. But what do you, what do you think? <laughs> well, first I was hoping that you would pause after saying, how do I tackle this? So, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do think that this is something that a lot of companies are, are thinking about, or maybe they've had suspicion about and, you know, part of it is that we have more remote workers now more than ever. And I also think that there are going to be folks who see it as an opportunity to potentially increase their income and and may do it. I mean, I think um, it's not I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say I would be surprised if we begin to see more of this. Um, But if I'm a people leader and I suspect that one of my team members was working a full-time job, I think there are a couple of steps uh, that one could go through to try to navigate and and get answers to those questions one way or another, because certainly not knowing uh, is the worst possible outcome. Yeah. Yeah, and, and why why is it the worst possible outcome? I think we're gonna have so much fun on this one. Why why is it the worst possible outcome to to not know about about this kind of arrangement your employees have? Well, I, I think there's a few, but the number one that comes to mind is that if a manager suspects that their team member isn't fully focused or making a contribution, I think by default they are going to uh, treat them a little bit differently. And so I think it's important to find out whether they are or aren't, and then you can address the facts, you know, the facts at hand. And if left unaddressed, then I think the potential for the company losing productivity, uh, potentially the quality of the work that's going out, I mean, nobody is going to like, nobody's going to truly win in those situations, especially if the employee is working two jobs and they get caught. Summer. Working two jobs at the same time. All right, so here's 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 how I feel. 
first of all, the company should have policies about what they will allow and what they won't, right? So, you know, if you have a moonlighting policy, if you have a no uh, other employment policy, kind of like a sole employer kind of deal, mm-hmm. um, you need to have that because it is so easy in this remote work environment for people to hold multiple roles. And quite honestly, it's easy to do it if they're showing up in your office because they can always have a virtual assistant, someone they're delegating to, you know, step out for calls, whatever the case may be. I just think that it's it's really, really bad for uh, an organization to not have their policies defined mm-hmm. and subject yourself to um, your your brand being like uh, tarnished or productivity being tarnished because the higher up a person is in an organization, there's likely a ripple effect of mm-hmm. their distraction. Um, and even... It, it doesn't have to be someone high up, but if there's someone who uh, is working with a customer, right? If they're distracted, then the customer's not getting what they need. So you gotta you gotta pay attention to this stuff. I think it's it's incredibly important. I think it's so important because it's, it's it's just gonna happen so much more. I think. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Speaking of the policy, Joey, I think that's one of the the key pieces in order to manage that and. Yeah, you know, it's it's not uncommon, especially now that individuals have a side hustle or they have a second job uh, to address the question that came in on this topic specifically, somebody showing CEO of their own company on LinkedIn, like that in itself to me is not necessarily a, like a huge red flag because that could be their side hustle. That could be their hobby that generates income, but we don't know until we really look into that. And that in itself isn't uncommon either. So I think the the key piece of this is it's not uncommon for folks to have side hustles or second jobs or maybe even own a business. But what's important is that for uh the period of time that they are working for your organization, whether you define that as a work day or you measure their performance on outcomes, that they are meeting the expectations. At the end of the day, if they're not meeting expectations, then, and there is suspicion, then yes, we have to have these conversations. But I'd also say, Joey, I've I've actually worked with one of our clients who was very well aware and supportive that one of their employees had their own business and it was really kind of a trade-off for them because they really wanted this individual working for their organization and part of that was hey like we will allow you time during your work day to handle your own business so long as the needs of the other organization were priority yeah yeah and and that's totally fine too you know if if you want to have agreements with folks if you think that um it will help even allow them to show up and be more refreshed or encouraged and inspired to to work in your role if your organization um works asynchronously and so it doesn't matter when people get their job done it just matters that they get their job done if you have a policy that's that's more open to the moonlighting and having other opportunities great. It's just, you know, to the point you had earlier, 
it's better to know the the fact that it's out there and and be able to plan for that and know who might be having that that other uh, form of employment than to not know and to um, subject yourself to the consequences that might that you might experience. Yeah, I think for this exact question that came in, what I would suggest uh, to uh, the individual that submitted this is, of course, ask like, well, what proof do you have? It sounds like maybe not a whole lot at this point. And go back to that performance uh, that I was mentioning. How is this individual's performance? Are they struggling? Uh, because that could be an indicator that perhaps they're not dedicating as much time. And has there been any discussion as to why they haven't been on camera? Because there can be a reason. Maybe there isn't a policy that requires it. So if it's optional, then it's, it's optional. But I think these are all questions that we should be having a discussion about to gather facts and then determine, is this just uh, suspicion or can it be validated? And addressing it from a performance standpoint, I think is the, the safest bet uh, because that can be measured. And uh, I think if they're not meeting expectations, then that's the route to, the route to go. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I know we could talk on this topic forever, but uh, we got stuff to do and I'm sure our <laughs> audience does too. So uh, if you have a question for us to tackle in Consultants Corner, we have an email for you to check out. It's hello at jumpstart-hr.com and we'll get your comment on the show. Uh, if you want to work with us, uh, we are at jumpstart-hr.com. You can schedule a free 15-minute consultation to see how we might best support you. Also, take a look at our store. We have course resources for you. We have a certified disc coach who provides training to individuals and teams, and so many other offerings that you can point, click, and buy. So if you want to improve your team, if you want to be a better leader, uh, you might want to see what we have to offer over in our store, uh, the resources in our store. All right, Summer, it's been great as always. Uh, Till next time. Thanks, Joey. Thanks, everyone. For more game-changing HR and leadership insights, check out whilewewereworking.com.